0: Wow, I'm drunk with power. Low, on the is, is your mother worried? Would you like us to assign someone
1: to worry your mother?
0: Welcome to Fascism Podcast. I'm Jackie. I'm Hope we talk about art and fashion we read stuff and then we kind of just workshop it on the mic i guess it's like you're hanging out with us
1: learning a little bit about fashion if you're interested in fashion and don't know anything um you come to the right place cuz we also are learning about fashion and don't know anything so yeah. um but we actually take a little bit extra step of doing the research for you Um, I'm reading
0: the things that you probably don't have time for. Yeah. It's a conversational podcast. This isn't NPR. We're not uh, Roman Mars. So if you you like it super polished and lacking in opinions and where everything's pronounced correctly, just go ahead and push pause and, and go on with your life. But if you like the podcast, you should give it five stars because, you know, that's The only way we get hurt, that's all. That's how algor- algorithm works. You know how this works. You know how this works. You're on the internet, yeah. You get it. We're desperate for five stars, <laughs> yeah. And we need them. You, we do need them. We were just crying for like an hour before getting on. The mic. <laughs> we were, <laughs> so. I was crying. You were watching me cry. Well, it's like it's like when a couple is pregnant and they say we're pregnant, uh-huh. <laughs> it's
1: i get it um i'm kind of disappointed you didn't cry i am sho- I'm, I'm shocked. i i i was the one crying i know you all you think i'm like waterworks it's like
0: you've seen <laughs> me cry like three times
1: <laughs> well I, I i get a power i get a power high from it now that i'm the one crying in front of you and you weren't crying i'm like oh i guess
0: we're even you yeah know? i'm just cool as a cucumber over here <laughs> i feel like i cry mostly when i'm like frustrated or like i don't know And I am on my period, too, so... Wow. I know. You really held it together then. You know, just... It it wasn't how my body reacted to the situation. All right. So today we're going to talk about anti-fashion, but before that, we're going to ask the question that we always ask. What's trending with you? Trending with me is failure. Today I got up to go to spin class. (laughs) You know, you have to make an appointment because there's only so many bikes, and I walked my dog first because you got to walk your dog. The dogs famously demand to be walked. Unless they're like tiny chihuahuas. They like to be carried. Yeah. I have a full a full grown dog who, who has to walk. And, you know, trying to be a good dog owner. Trying to exercise. Also trying to be a good neighbor. On our walk, we, we ran into my neighbor. She's about to leave for a trip with her husband. They're driving down to Mexico. And... She was like, I'm going to leave tomorrow. And we were talking about it. She was telling me she's had a hard year. One of her good friends died. She was like crying a little bit. And, you know, so I lingered and I chatted and I was late to spin. They wouldn't let me in because they turn off the damn lights have you ever been to like a soul Cycle knockoff? It's off? scary. Yeah, it's like not safe to enter that room once everyone's like on their bikes, which I totally get. And they reimburse me. They're lovely people, but I was pretty sad. And then to console myself, I decided to go to Goodwill because I got a gift card for my birthday, which is in September, by the way. That's how long it's been since I've been to a Goodwill. I'm just like, not really. I'm like, haven't really been shopping as much. I'm trying to like bring fewer things into my home. I'm shopping online now, like trying to just do Depop, but I'm trying to like just buy a specific item I want versus like going to Goodwill or an estate sale and bringing home a bunch of stuff. So I found some stuff. I've like really evolved in my thrifting to where it was like, you know, there was a cool patterned top, like 70s dagger collar, black and white print, but I was like, it's polyester, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable, I'm not going to get it. Then there was like a really cute knit that had like a lace-up V, so it kind of like made my tits look good, but it was in like a red that I don't, like kind of like a blood red, and I was like, this isn't a color I wear. I've just gotten so good about like, like oh, I found this like velvet blazer that tied with a ribbon, uh-huh. but it was black, and I just like don't really like wearing black. I was like, this is a cool piece but i just it's not really my aesthetic so i've gotten better at sifting through. anyway, they wouldn't take my gift card because it was on my phone and they needed it to be printed out so that they could file it for their records. so what the f- i was just like okay, never mind and i just left all my shit there cuz it was like i wow. don't i don't want to spend the money and it did really put things in perspective where i was like do i even really like those earrings? Um, so then I just left and went home. (laughs) and was like basically everything I've tried to do today. I've failed so That's a bummer, but you know some days are like that And then I got my period and did some pilates (laughs) I mean it
1: would be like goodwill for be like we got to put it in our file system, which is paper still
0: Yeah, then you went to go do some pilates was this today? Uh Uh-huh. So I just came home did pilates in my room and had no new clothes but that's okay yeah. because it's winter and I'm literally just wearing these knit pants I got every day anyway so I'm not wearing them right now because they're in the dryer <laughs> it's wash day
1: yeah I'm not outside that often I, I sometimes I wear skirts and then I go to the library to meet some of my students and they're like how can you wear skirts in this weather and I'm like I'm outside for maybe two minutes mm-hmm. and I think everybody needs to take a, like because like I know some people right now in my head that like Dress like they're going out into the winter like storm and I understand it's cold but you're going back inside for like we're not walking very we're not in New York City where we have to walk very far
0: yeah okay well when I told Kasia to wear a skirt to the museum you were like she's gonna be cold did I say that yeah (laughs) well I only said that because
1: I think she she is cold because I've been arguing wearing because i also was like where's so- nothing underneath that was my yeah. All. i was just
0: trying to get her dress
1: i was trying to slutty yeah i was yeah. like get she's those like going on a date and she's like what should we wear and we're all like <laughs> and she's like literally covered head to toe that's what, like like kasha is literally the person i'm thinking of because she wore like this like four layers to the this jazz night that we went to where we're inside the whole time you know like mm-hmm. she was outside for like n- less than two minutes
0: but to each their own, you know? But yeah. anyways... Uh, this is what some people on TikTok like to call the part that's not smart of the podcast. Just for f- <laughs> just FYI, guys. We, t- we chat a little bit in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: we can also delete all of this.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, but what's trending with you?
1: Oh, conflict. There's been a lot of conflict in my life right now. Um, Mars is in retrograde. Mars? Yeah, not even Mercury. It's Mars. And... That's like the plan of communication. I, this is from Chani, uh, Tawny whatever. And she was like, oh, it's going to be a lot of conflict coming up. When? These next two weeks. So like this past week and the next coming week. And <laughs> you're like, what do I have to measure for? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how long is this going to last? But also like it's supposed to be a disruptor of your sleep too. Something else about like – And I feel like my sleep has been like weird. I've been having – bonker dreams i feel like i wake up with scratches i think because my nails are all fucked up and i've been scratching myself but also i'm like is the bell witch attacking me at night like i can feel myself kind of thrashing i don't thrash very hard but i can feel myself kind of like going back and forth so what i'm saying is astrology is real and i'm experiencing all those things i had a fight with pretty much everybody in my life including hope recently like i mean like i think literally every single person and i'm thinking about it to some degree and some varying degree I mean, well, I didn't fight with my mom, but I thought I was like mad for her. Anyways, um yeah, so that's been a whole thing. I had to like scream at one of our good friends, not scream, but like talk to one of our good friends about like why Kanye sucks. You were in the group chat with this. Oh, yeah. And that was a whole thing where I was just like I was losing yeah, my mind. I was cooking and I was kind of just like, mm. yeah. <laughs> <I> <laughs> yeah, guess. understandably. Um but, yeah, he he came up to me later being like, what, you said something – what you said was also – I read an article about it, and I was like, yeah. And he's like – and all the comments were like, I don't know. like, And I was like, yeah, because white men aren't at the receiving end of any of this. So they feel like it's funny because it can be funny for them. And so I had to have that conversation. So, you know, just conflict everywhere. And this person I love and I care for, and, like, we're not mad at each other in the slightest, but it's just something that – I don't know. It's like – People think Alex Jones and all that stuff is really funny. And I'm like, it's fucking not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you can't tell me it is. And it just really makes me irate when someone laughs about it. Um, Because it's always – it's been cis, hetero, white men. So I'm just angry. in general. I'm ready to fight with the internet. But I'm also, like, staying away from the internet because –
0: You're much better at not fighting on the internet than I am.
1: Well, only because I just – I'm like – the uh, what i feel like i'm already gonna be misunderstood yeah and i just feel like i can't fall into this hole of being trying like what i'm trying to say is just gonna already be misconstrued i'm already frustrated by that fact so i'm just like might as well not even try it is
0: impossible
1: anyways yeah conflict is trending it's on the up and up (laughs) failure and conflict Uh, that's that's uh how that's how we're doing today yeah um pretty much yep and also i guess i should announce this. I. the writer and I broke up. Not that anybody really cares, but the writer and I broke up. So that's a conflict, I guess. Conflict, yeah. That was a while ago. Um, But yeah, it's been a lot of... What comes after conflict? I think making up and loving each other a little bit more, you know? Yeah. Um, Healing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Healing. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's going to be better. Well, I don't know. Eventually. Right, you guys? You got to tell me. Yeah. Once Mars is done doing its thing. But okay, anyway, today, speaking of conflict, kind of. Yeah. The topic today came from us reacting to an article we saw on The Stranger, which is, if you don't know, Dan Savage, local Seattle newspaper, but they're opinionated and pretty left and usually pretty good. But they published an article called Seattle is the anti fashion capital of the world. It's by Charles Moudede. I don't know exactly how to say his name, but it was responding to an Esquire piece that said, it's time to admit that Seattle is a style capital by Andrew Mattson. And it talks about grunge, gorp, and graffiti. Talks about some graffiti artists in Seattle that worked with big brands, kind of cool, like that did pieces for like runway shows. And it talks about how like even celebrities are wearing gorp now and yada, yada. And... The writer of The Stranger piece basically responded to say, like, Seattle is absolutely not a fashion capital. People here are super lazy. They always wear, like, their puffy jackets. But he was also making it seem like it's a good thing. You think so? I I, I was interpreting that we're better for it. Interesting. He says, like, this is what the Seattle look is all about, a mode that does not break with its natural surroundings, but is indeed at one with them, which... I, I did a TikTok talking all about this because I felt like this was a really bad article. Like he tries to reference all these things that don't make sense. Like He references Sontag's article about style and says that ours is a city whose mode of presentation is no style at all. But according to Susan Sontag, having no style is a style. But that's like not what her essay said at all. Her essay was about how you can't separate style from substance, how like people think of an artist as saying something of their art having content and then the style is kind of like the bow on top that doesn't necessarily matter. It's like the flair that's just kind of an addition to like the meat of the thing. But but her argument in that essay was that like you can't actually separate style from substance. So it really didn't like make sense with what he was trying to say. Then he references notes on camp and says the essence of style is its love of the unnatural, of artifice and exaggeration. The actual quote was the essence of camp is it some of the unnatural? So he's basically just like trying to insert theory and text into this piece, but in a way that like, it seemed like he just like wrote this last minute. Then he starts talking about like microbiologist Louis Pasteur and what makes dead matter and what makes living matter and then uses it to like talk about rivers and like essentially talking about like the river takes the easiest path down the hill. That's like how Seattleites are. Like they take the easiest path. And it's like, just what? And so here's the last paragraph. Seattle fashion offers little resistance to nature. It is too practical to be stylish, which is always super artificial, always working against the forces of nature. We just give up and put on what's best for the rain and all of those very short days.
1: Yeah. I mean, I saw the title and
0: I knew it was wrong. And you
1: that was one of the things that you pointed out in your TikTok was like the first thing we're gonna pull out is starting with the title because it says seattle is the anti-fashion of the u.s or whatever and automatically i knew that he hadn't done his research into what what he meant like was the least trendiest city which yes sure and the least
0: like expressive the least fancy the least vibrant
1: i don't know yeah because a lot of people don't know what anti-fashion has like terminology within especially the fashion world but like in theory and and it felt like he was using theory in general like it was a blunt object and just like trying to smush it into the article like it without having any context to it mm-hmm. and it it was disfigured in the sense of like he it was not a, it, was, it was not seamless uh to us because we actually have done research and care about fashion and we care about the world of of art but like no one else was going to do a follow-up like, he, he was making assumption that no
0: one else was going to care about, like, what theory he was actually using. Right. That, like, the only reaction people would have is, like, y- we are stylish or, ha, 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 yeah, we're so not – It's, like, he just wanted to elicit, like, emotional reactions based on right. people's opinions of Seattle. Exactly. And,
1: and, and, and people did.
0: Yeah. Like, as we saw on the comments on our TikTok, like, people would say – that's what I like about Seattle is that we care about sustainability which I'm like okay I know. like you can be sustainable and you can be stylish you can like I also don't think Seattleites are that sustainable like they they are, we're not I mean
1: like Patagonia and north face aren't necessarily sustainable we're still using products that have like plastic in them like
0: right like i think patagonia is a company's like doing a lot of good stuff but i don't think that people are like actually mending their items you know i think it's a lot of tech people who like can afford this performance wear, right and they think that it's cool to like not look like you care about art and whatever. Exactly. Yeah, if you've done any research on the tech bro aesthetic, we
1: did a whole episode but hopes done a lot of research on it as well and like has read a few articles on it. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's it's a, a, it's a this idea that it's sustainable is, inaccurate it's more about like not looking like you care about your fashion because if you look like you care about your aesthetic then you aren't working hard enough Mm -hmm. so the aesthetic is to look like you're streamlined into producing and then being able to go outside as fast as possible and like getting home and like whatever the weather is Mm -hmm. um which inherently is it's focused on a capitalist notion Mm -hmm. so it's not sustainable but like people aren't thinking that they're just thinking I don't know, brands that are considered themselves have greenwashed themselves. Therefore, we are sustainable. It's not about like dismantling the idea of like capitalism as being like, because that's the really the thing that creates any instability in our ecology, really. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's inaccurate, but also like people's responses were pretty normal because like people in Seattle were like either agreeing or not agreeing because they're within Seattle. They don't know anything about fashion so of course they were going to have the response like he
0: I think he knew what he was doing like mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah and that's the thing it's like and I responded to the stranger and I said like I think when you pitch this piece it was meant to be shareable it was meant to be like oh the headline gets you and you just like want to send it right. to a friend who lives in New York and thinks they're all you know like whatever and people had some really insightful responses too about how like it excludes like gay communities or communities of color right. who are who do have different style than, like, what's being described and, like, who do have and they do a, a form of expression and, and whatever. And, you know, the, the writer is an immigrant from um, Zimbabwe and, you know, has their own perspective. So I don't think, like, that was his intent, but I think people's response was totally valid that it excludes them from the conversation. And, yeah, I think people just feel protective of not wanting to have to follow trends. They don't want to feel wrong. They don't want to feel like what they're wearing is wrong. Yeah. But anti-fashion, what actually anti-fashion is, is about reacting to trends. Right. And like rejecting them. Exactly.
1: It's like looking at mainstream fashion and rejecting that and like being like, oh, we're going to have an alternative to... It's really an alternative to the bourgeoisie of fashion. Mm -hmm. Like... Some of like what Vivian Westwood did at first hand, they considered anti-fashion. She would consider anti-fashion because she was printing on T-shirts, and it, but like it was, it was very fashionable. People were buying it. People were produced. It was part of the punk movement, but like it was, in, the antithesis essentially of that that time period of like what was on the runway. Mm-hmm. So that was like really what we're talking about. Like anti fashion doesn't mean not having style. Right. It, you actually do have a style. It's just not part of the the mainstream look. So actually, the mainstream look is tech bro. Mm-hmm. It actually is in fashion. Mm-hmm. So saying it's anti fashion isn't in, like inaccurate in its its whole form when we look at it. And I I, I just get really upset and I know it, I know there's a lot of things going on in the world, and I've said this. To other people, because we were talking, we were doing like rosebud thorn the other day with my some of my students and my coworker, and I was like, my thorn is that there was an anti-fashion article, and I'm mad about it. I know there's a lot of things going on in the world, I do, but it it just grinds my gears because it's something that's like simmering underneath me through this whole my whole life. Because I feel like being fashionable has been always seen as like frivolous. Mm-hmm. Um, caring about my look has always been seen like a, a woman thing, and then on top of that, like. People like that don't have a, a, an aesthetic or they think they don't have an aesthetic. They're actually choosing an aesthetic. That's the whole thing that other – they think they're better than mm-hmm. other people. That's and, – and, and this is what – I was getting down to this article. I was just like th- – it's not calling out the people for wearing these products to look a certain way, to be – being looked as sustainable and being looked like they are – they don't care. It was like agreeing that they don't have fashion, which is not the point that we should be making – I just feel like we should be calling these people out for what's actually happening, which is like they're buying really expensive pieces to look a certain way, to like while making a certain amount of money, and it just like all it all makes me just very upset because I just feel like it's just a thing that people don't understand or don't want to talk about, and I'm just like there, there's something really, I don't know, there's just something dirty underneath it all, like I can't explain. It's just like something that we're the way we express ourselves the way it is subjectively telling a, a narrative and tech bros are telling a narrative that they do not care about like to me women <laughs> well, like, or queer life or anything as long as it looks like they're producing
0: well and i think like we and like we have friends who live in outdoor Wear. Yeah. like it's not just tech people it, and like there is a culture here of wanting to get outside a lot and it's not inherently bad but it's I think like the idea that not caring about how you look is better or that you can avoid the language of fashion it's just like you can't fashion is a language clothes have meaning so I, people get frustrated I think by the like how daunting it is to like yeah. have to present themselves every day. And it's like That's fair. But it's I just think that the meanings are layered and like to act as though like just so many of the responses we got of being like, I like that people don't care. Like I don't wanna have to worry about how I look. And it's like yeah. And I and there's parts of me that agree with the fact that like I like that in Seattle I feel like I don't have to like I don't wear makeup most or like a lot of days. And I like that I can I can I like that it's dressed down. I just the standards are low. The expectation is low. I just wish there were, it was like, gr- like grungy, but also colorful. Like I wish I could wear... I wish it was like, you know, like we've talked about New Orleans style, Burning Man style, where it's like dirty, but fancy.
1: Right. Or just like, I wish it was standing for something. Mm-hmm. And it's not standing for anything. And that's my ultimate... Or they think they're not standing for anything. Mm-hmm. And that's part... and like, you have to stand for something... Even when you think you're not – and that's that's the thing. It's just, like, they think they can, like, bow out of, like, any kind of role that fashion has. And I think that really is – I think that's what irks me. I don't know. I, I There's just also me being a, a person that cares. I feel like people are judgmental of me, mm-hmm. especially
0: at workplaces. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm judgmental of you, bitch. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening to another episode of Articles of Interest, not to just like promo that podcast every time we do ours, but they were talking about a book that came out that was basically teaching women how to dress professionally by mimicking men's fashion and like workwear is like work style. It's like you can't – it's not workwear because that's a different thing, but office-appropriate attire is – it's like it's not even just about not like exposing skin, which I also think is stupid. Yeah. But it's also just about like looking serious and like look. It's like why do we have to look? Why do we just have to? We're supposed to look like men. We're supposed to look serious, yeah. and that's like no, no woman should argue for that.
1: No woman should argue for that. No person should no argue person. for it. Really. I mean, like it's to die down the queerness too. Like the queerness culture, you can't really look that queer within a perfect like. A lot of like firms, or like even for the city, it's like colorful hair, crazy makeup. It's just not seen as it's it's too in your face, is what they would probably say. And especially if distracting you're distracting, yes. or it's like, and that and inherently it's political because you are, and that's that's why I get so upset because I'm just like it takes work to have an aesthetic and to choose and to not be part of the mainstream collective um and to decide it, it it takes a lot of boldness to decide that you you're gonna have an aesthetic right like that's what i'm saying and i'm it's really easy not to 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 feel like you, to fit in to look like Seattleite, and that and it's not even lazy i don't think people are lazy about it because they do have to think about what the weather and like i don't know I, I think i just get triggered all over again with with just like reading that article i was just like Ugh. here we go again and I, I don't know it just feels like it's a constant being misunderstood I guess it's just a misunderstanding and not caring for something that I really care about
0: right and that's why it's thought that someone who isn't well read on fashion can write an article about that because it's thought of as just something and I get that there's like a ubiquitousness about it that like Yeah, we all wear clothes every day, but we also all eat food every day and you wouldn't just let some random person write about food. There's like, you have to be a chef or like someone who like, like works in restaurants or whatever. But like, there's this idea that like clothes are just whatever that anyone can write about them. But clearly, like he he didn't know what he was talking about. But and he, I just also want to say that he seems like a really interesting person. One person commented on the TikTok being like, I took a class with him. Like, I really liked it. But yeah, wow, he shouldn't write about fashion. Um, he also, like, has done movies, like, written them or something. He wrote one or did one called Zoo, which is about, like, bestiality.
1: I remember this movie. When you first said it, I couldn't. But, like, then you started talking about it more. And I was like, I remember around 2007, this being a conversation with a couple people.
0: I remember it being a conversation. And I remember, like, my guy friends, like, being like, look at this video. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if it was the real video or, like. Or I remember people being like, there's this movie out about bestiality it's crazy it's Like about a guy who dies from a horse fucking him and um that's what he wrote he wrote this he made this movie and apparently the bestiality community was like yeah we feel so represented he seems to kind of like support bestiality like he wrote an article about how like washington outlawed it and he made it sound like oh we have such like conservative leaders they're like barely left or like barely and and he's like you know no one's gonna s- vote against it you know and like the animals can't say anything so
1: that's just such a weird thing to make a stance on
0: i know and i don't want it's like is this gonna be something where 20 years later we're like wow we were kink shaming uh, <laughs> no because i'm pro
1: kink and i'm as long as it's consensual and animals can't consent right and that's
0: the problem yeah Um, And a look does not mean yes. And then the other movie he made was about like a cop solving mysteries. And the mysteries were specifically based on Seattle crimes. Mm. And the cop, the character was an immigrant and and had like a love life issue going on. I don't know. I was like, is this pro cop, but also like a different perspective? Because it's... Because it's an immigrant, not a white guy. Yeah, like just i don't know he, what i'm basically getting at is this author is an interesting person he's just he's all over the place
1: but yeah what what i think they should do the strangers should make it up by hiring hope a, as a fashion writer and honestly though like i i'm just like at least get somebody that gives a shit about theory in a fashion lens
0: like yeah, you brought that up and I so appreciate how much you support me and think I'm good at stuff. Um, I think that writing, I think that doing that would probably send me over the edge. It, it probably does. would. <laughs> You'd have to like get another part-time job. You have to quit your full-time job. I know. Like I already feel so <laughs> overloaded and I, and I did used to write as a job, but I, I wrote about skincare, which I didn't like as much, but I think it's one of those, I, I think I just like writing TikToks and maybe we'll write some academic papers some, yeah. at some point. Like I think... Writing for for online is just like I hear you it's not as a, a, it's not that interesting. it's not that
1: fun. well it's not as dynamic. you don't get to have that like conversation those comments you don't get to have like rebuking things. It's yeah. of like oh it doesn't feel like a full conversation. it feels like a blog piece that you put out there and you
0: don't get to say it so like the tone I like how informal TikTok mm-hmm. is where I, where it's like the tone is is part of it, and yeah, that makes sense. but I also think you are a great writer, thank, thank you. you
1: and I don't know. I'm like, the world is missing out on uh, Hope's writing. Sometimes. Well, I
0: did respond to the editorial team, and they didn't respond to me. So, but. Well,
1: there's... I don't... We're Something's going to happen, I feel like, in the future. I just know it. I feel like The Stranger is going to eventually reach... This is me noting... This is me having a a psychic flash maybe in the future. Um, something's going to happen, though. But yeah, moving on. What we also did to kind of support more and talk about more about anti-fashion was watch this documentary
0: anti-fashion directed by olivia in a i don't know if it like originally aired on tv it was originally in french and so we found the translated yeah. version is on youtube right i was
1: wondering about that because sometimes they would say
0: things in english uh-huh and then they would overlap
1: it with English, and I was very confused,
0: <laughs> you yeah. know?
1: And yeah. I was just like, we don't need a translation of what they're saying. But, but I am curious, where, when because it, it, it got some pretty big names and interviewed a lot of famous designers. Um, so it wasn't
0: just some guy. No, I think it was like, well done and well received. Great watch. I would recommend it to someone who's like, just starting to, or like, wanting to learn about fashion. Because right. you learn about a lot of really important designers. Yeah, the Antwerp Six. Is that how you say them?
1: Six? Antwerp Six? We did six. Yeah, we talked about them. We talked a little bit about them, but I was confused. And I think this gave more clarity because it gives faces to the names. And I think they're mostly from Belgium.
0: Yeah, the Antwerp Six refers to a group of fashion designers who graduated from Antwerp's Royal Academy of Fine Arts, which is like in Belgium. Yeah, and it wasn't just Belgian people. Martin Margiela is Belgium, but it was... This says Antwerp Six is Walter Van Beren Donk and Mulemeester, Dries Van Norten, Dirk Van Seyn, Marina Yee, Dirk Birkenbergs. Yeah, the names are hard. It says Martin Margiela, another Belgian contemporary, was not actually part of the group. Really? Although he's often mistakenly described as one of the Antwerp Six because he also emerged from the Antwerp scene immediately before the Antwerp Six came to being. Oh. But it's like, it's all part of the same movement. Like, they're all part of the same movement, which is anti-fashion. And so the documentary starts out talking about the 80s extravagance. The 80s was all about trends, like trendiness, being like over the top, Versace. Big hair. Big hair. um, Glittery. But at the
1: same time, it kind of wasn't because women weren't getting jobs, so they were wearing a lot more professional gear. But I think, like, in the bourgeoisie sense of it all, um, on the runways, a lot of the runways, it was over the top. It was very, almost camp, you know? Like, what we imagine is, like, neon, glitter, I just imagine, like glazed over photography, you know, like, yeah, looks like Vaseline's on the lens or something. You know what I mean? Big hair. Yeah. Just like a sense of
0: soft and yet like very femme. Yeah. Femme. But also, yeah, like the shoulders are exaggerated and Sh- exaggerated shoulders. Yeah. And like you said, women in the workforce. So it's like the separates and like the blazers. And mm-hmm. um, and I mean, at the time, the elite, there was like an elite taste making kind of conglomerate that um, essentially dictated what was in style and what wasn't. And the runways kind of, like, answered to them. Like, And that was, like, when people talk about the top-down approach to fashion, like, that's where that comes from, where it's, like, yeah, the rich are basically deciding what's, what's in style. And this was before trend forecasting. And so, like, essentially, like, Later on, trend forecasting takes over. And, and so anti-fashion emerges as like a counter style. It starts emerging in Europe. It's dark, violent, involved, conceptual. You have techno happening. There's grunge, Chernobyl. Raves. The raves, the economic crisis. And this new theme of fashion was a reflection of the times. It involved deconstruction, disproportion, recycling. And one of the first people we hear from in the documentary is Yoji Yamamoto, who says, like, I don't follow trends. And in that way, I'm not a fashion designer. I'm not designing for the fashion. It's like, I'm designing garments, you know? Which one was
1: that? Was that the guy?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, and there's Rei Kawakubo and Yoji Yamamoto. They did kind of like this popper s- style where, it, like, I guess it's like, you look kind of poor. Y- Yoji Yamamoto has this show in 1983, and people were legitimately shocked. Like, they simply couldn't conceive that fashion could be look like that the clothes had holes in them the models walked in this like robotic way women were wearing flats their hair was messy they didn't have makeup on the clothes were unfinished it was like revolutionary it was the start of the like deconstructionism
1: in on the runway essentially Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i guess deconstructivism is anti-fashion and part of that movement at least Mm -hmm. because they were talking a lot about it and i was just like martin magella is known for his deconstructivism Especially in the early '90s,
0: right, right. So Ray Kuba, her claim was that modern women didn't need to be submissive. She didn't want to choose the women, who, even who modeled her clothes. She, she didn't want that to be like a thing that she was selecting. Fair. I mean, that kind of is weird. Yeah. Right. Like, I love her stuff. Which one was she? Was she, she like she a bob?
1: Japanese too. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, her stuff is incredible. Because there was one, I think, Belgian
0: woman that's like. And Mulmeister that one that I I was like do I like you I can't tell I know when I was like I did a video on it that I deleted because I was embarrassed of it and I was looking for photos and I was looking through her stuff and I was kind of like I can't find something that I feel like I can put on here and be like now this is inspiring yeah I mean that's her I mean it's very oatmeal colors yeah and um and some of it like Yoji Yamamoto the cuts weren't based on the shape of the body. Very similar, to like building a kimono, where it's like, yeah, the garment has its own shape. It's not about it's not about getting that hourglass figure. No, but he also did that line where he merged like Parisian,
1: eventually ends Japanese, like the kimono with like old like Parisian aesthetic, and I loved loved that. He did it so well.
0: Yeah, that sounds cool. Like
1: big hats with the kimono. Ugh. Ooh,
0: that sounds awesome!
1: It was gorgeous.
0: A lot of people like criticized how such unfinished garments could be so expensive, but then others got like really into it and they really liked the loose, comfortable cuts and like the rare fabrics. And so it was kind of like if you got it, like the really fashiony people, like I feel like the hip, like not as like bougie people maybe, but they were still rich because they were buying. I mean, the clothes were expensive.
1: I think they all these people were very independent at first, like they were having to source their, in- like, money to make this happen. And then they eventually got bought out by Prada.
0: At least some of them got out by Prada. But so do you think, like, so could you have a runway show, but then your clothes aren't expensive?
1: No, your clothes have to be expensive, I think, just to pay for – I don't know what it takes to do a runway, but it sounds like it's hard. Right. I guess, yeah,
0: I'm mostly saying, like, the people who were – some of the some of the people who bought these clothes, it's like if the people who are buying these clothes, it was like – they got it they were like it wasn't like they were just the celebrities who show up at the runway shows and are just there to be rich and buy rich Mm -hmm. clothes they were like they got it do you think we have that kind of now i feel like we do have an anti-fashion movement right now which is like ugly core in a way but i don't know that there's runway that's doing it
1: yeah i'm like i don't know if there's A collection of people revolting against the mainstream, especially Balenciaga's aesthetic. I feel like it's all about content making now. I don't think it's about the, um, the clothes as much. I think in the sense of like the revolution is in like, How much content can you produce?
0: Right. And that was like the point I was trying to make with the video of like these people were making waves simply through their garments. Mm -hmm. Whereas like now it feels like runway fashion is trying to make waves through being edgy, through like incorporating weird babies or like, I don't know, like being shocking, but not through your garments. And someone responded saying like, well, that's because like everything is political now. Like like fashion used to be able to be fashion, but now it has to be political, which I very much disagree with. Like I would say people nowadays are way less political. That's what I'm saying. People barely even fucking vote. Like people are not political.
1: Yeah, they're not. And fashion was always political. Yeah. It was, it was always a response right. to the climate, especially like these the deconstructive area. Like, House of Beauty and Culture was part of this kind of rebellion that Edward Inafil, we talked about Edward full last time, but he was in London in the 80s. And there were some London people that were just exceptionally part of the fashion world and especially this anti fashion aesthetic. And it was all about found objects. It was very surrealist and intentionally so because everybody was fucking poor. <laughs> that was the whole thing. Like, People were, everybody that was making and designing, they didn't come from wealth. And it was during the Thatcher era as well, which was pretty grim in the sense of withholding money and the disparity was growing Um, and artists were harder to come by, you know, and And how they rebelled was having fun and looking fabulous with the things that they had around them. And they probably wouldn't say that they were rebelling in the sense of like they wouldn't see that as the part of the revolution. But it it is because just existing in those spaces was not what the the government essentially wanted at that time. I'm not saying that the UK United Kingdom is is the end all of all, but like it was definitely a part of the influence of these runways that were happening like there was a connection and it was a hotbed spot for uh, this anti-fashion yeah revolution
0: yeah i feel like we do have political fashion movements now like i had said on one point on tiktok that like i was talking about the the article trends are dead yada yada cottage core being like just another way to categorize things like just another like hashtag whatever just like for the internet but from reading more it seems that, that like cottagecore is rooted in more. Like it's a resistance to consumerism in a way. Like people are trying to like make their own stuff. They're trying to like, it's like homesteading, whatever. And obviously people have like different relationships to it like they do with any aesthetic, but.
1: Yeah, it's taking back your time.
0: Yeah, and like letting things be DIY. I think anything DIY is political at this point.
1: Yeah, and I think this wear wasn't trying to show the best version of fashion. It was like, this is, it was all about, like, this was the turning point and it hits in the 90s, what they call grunge, but the authenticity, the realness was like, people had clothes with holes in them.
0: Right. And Edward talks about, Edward Enfield talks about, yeah, like grunge as being, yeah, about authenticity. I really didn't know much about grunge, despite the fact that I live in Seattle. Yeah. yeah. But they talk about, like, this philosophy of disappearing, of refusing obligation, living in the present. I didn't know that grunge had a, a work ethic associated with it. I guess I didn't either. To where, yeah, it's like, they're like, we don't have to do shit. Like, it kind of feels like a reaction to the 80s of, like, let's go work. Exactly. Like, yeah. And so then it's like, nah. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: that's where I'm at. Yeah, That's where, we're, where we should all be yeah, It's like, this this, like, you should work to be valued as a person. A lot of the 90s people were like, yeah, rebelling against it. And we should continue to rebel against it. I don't feel like we're rebelling enough against it. Like, but anyways, they were like, yeah, there was some images on the, on this documentary and like interviewing uh, these grunge kids. And the grunge kids were like, yeah, I'll just be a bus driver. I don't care. Right. Which honestly, yeah, if they pay you well enough, why not? Like, why do we have to aspire
0: to anything more? Right. Like professionalism, which, you know, emerged in the mid 19th century. And like, it's interesting because it's like, historically, professional careers have been higher paying. But we're in this era where like, you and I have master's degrees, and we make less than bus drivers. Yeah. Like we make less than people who work for the train, Mm -hmm. we make less than probably mail carriers. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but there's a status that goes along with having a job like ours, like the job that Jackie just got. And it's just so interesting that like my parents would probably be confused if I took a job right driving the bus. This is, oh, we're, we're going off a little off course, but I was
1: friends with this guy who started dating this neuro, what is it, neurobiologist? Like she was getting her PhD and studying the fucking brain. And she, I was like, so what are you going to do after she was about to graduate or whatever they do, defend their thesis, PhD, whatever. Um, Dissertation, And I was like, so what are you going to do afterwards? And she's like, I don't know, become a bus driver? Mm -hmm. She's like, I just don't want the stress. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I relate to that so much. Mm -hmm. And it's also just like having a good pay, showing up, and like, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. I think people, like, the hierarchical system shouldn't exist anyways. Like, being a bus driver is just as valuable as being a – I don't want to see a doctor because a doctor does
0: like save lives, but you know, like it's, bus driver could. It's like no more admirable than working in tech and like, yes, exactly. It's way more important because like exactly. we need buses. <laughs> we don't need websites. Exactly. Exactly. And
1: if you can clock in, clock out and that be your life, that sounds, that's, that's what people want. They
0: want they want to have a life. Mm-hmm. They want a life. Yeah. Outside of work speaking of which and amulaemeester she was part so she's part of the Antwerp six um but she decides she like wants to have a family before she starts designing she's the one that never ends up selling out
1: is what right. they talk about right. like she's just like yeah I didn't sell mine and I was like okay do I like you or not like that was the point where I was like I don't think there's a problem with selling out but I do admire someone that's like continuing their fashion line purely because they're passionate about it. So
0: yeah, I thought she seemed cool, but I wasn't like obsessed with her clothes. But it's like exactly it's hard to take. It's hard to like take it contextually because you're like, I'm sure it meant something different. I don't know. But at the time. Yeah. But so she like makes clothes to communicate emotion. Things take off really quickly. Uh, she said she didn't want to add more clothes to the world unless she could make something that hadn't been made. That's kind of her deal. There was a scene <clears throat>
1: this is giving the tea. They had moments of tea that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Talking about Martin Margella and how they used to be she was like, Yeah, he I, he was my best friend. Now he doesn't talk to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Why? Mm-hmm. What happened? What did you do? Right. And then the the question, next following question was, is that his decision? And she said, Yeah, I've reached out. He doesn't want to talk to me. I was like for what reason? I know. I know. I wanted to know. How dare they just like throw us a little bit and not give us like? And I like, did she do something horrific or is he just a snob? Also, like, he's like out of the picture of his own line. He doesn't even run his own line. You know who did? Sean Galliano? Is that how you say his name? The guy that yeah. we hate. Um, that's who's running. Oh, he's running it now. He's he's running the Margelina, uh now. Like, okay. so that's why I'm confused. Is he still alive? Like, what is his deal? Is he just like? I don't – he's very – he doesn't do interviews, very rarely does interviews. He doesn't like to be in the public eye. I don't know if I even know what he fucking looks like. I don't. I don't have no idea what he looks like. You to do why. I. I don't think – well, that's part of his thing, right? Right. That's what I'm saying. Oh, there's something else that was part of this anti-fashion documentary. It was like face covering. And
0: so is, is Balenciaga trying to be anti-fashion? Essentially,
1: but they're doing it in a way that's like with celebrities. You can't do anti-fashion in the mainstream. Like anti-fashion is part of – it's rebuking. It's basically trying to rebuke the hierarchical system, the class system within fashion. They're not doing that. They're fully accepting and loving the class system and using it to their advantage, but also using anti-fashion cues, like things that we know, like the blacking out all of Kim Kardashian and like – um using covering face coverings but it's just shallow it's just a level of shallowness it's not actually when you're using celebrities of wealth you're not really saying anything
0: yeah so they talk about Antwerp Six they talk about Martin Margiela was noticed by Jean Paul Gaultier wait is he alive or not he is alive okay crazy he was born 19- in 1957 Throughout his career, Margiela has maintained a low profile, refusing to grant face-to-face interviews or be photographed. Since leaving fashion in 2009, he has emerged as an artist, exploring the themes that made him an iconic figure in fashion. Yeah, because like we said, John Galliano, is that how you say it? Uh, what
1: is it? Jean-Paul Gaultier and John Galliano are the ones that we get confused because obviously they have J's and G's. Um, but John Galliano was, like, let, let's never forget, he said really horrific shit and was scary Mind you, he was drunk, but that doesn't fucking matter when people say these insane things like he said that were very anti-Semitic and crazy. I mean, but he's running that line. He's running Margela's, Margela. What? Margela, yeah. Why did I – okay, yeah. His line now. So I don't know. That's something to note, you know. Never – like I also saw a TikTok of his like French getaway home, like one of his probably eight homes, I don't know, of John Galliano's home beautiful really i was like why is this horrific human being makes such beautiful things it has a beautiful home it's just like so unfair um but also in the comments everybody was just like oh this house is amazing i was like no one's gonna comment on the the monster this man is i just like i i, I feel like ev- that should be brought up every single time in the context of his name when his not- name comes up but it doesn't so but he yeah he runs his line now so
0: yeah so martin margello would like hunt down vintage adapt it cut it paint it which I'm like, you can you can do a fashion line where you just like reuse find clothes, paint them. Yeah, <laughs> like okay, <laughs> pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I think that's cool. I to be clear, I think that's cool, and I want to do that. Um, people felt scandalized by his message and his aesthetics. Like, I mean, we look at it now, and I think we're like, what's the
1: big deal? It's a holy sweater, you know? Like, I see people wear that all the time. But at the, I think at the time, it, it it was revolutionary. Like, he also his like like, where the runways were, were also part of that rebuking of this, because, like, his runways weren't in these highfalutin areas. He, like, one, one of the most famous ones where he made people drive out to a part of France that was predominantly black, and I hate, I don't, I still don't know how I feel about it completely, but it was a poor area in a playground area, and he made Anna Wintour get on the bus, God forbid. So there is a lot of I don't know, like just stating the obvious of like being poor doesn't mean that you can't be fashionable, but also like
0: I'm like, how poor are you? I don't know. There's like, well, that it's is a class misunderstanding. Scandal- it is a, it's like it's the people who were scandalized by it were the rich people who were like, no, we decide mm-hmm. what's fashionable, and because like the elite, and we've talked about it, it's like the same as it is now, where like the elite through Vogue and other mediums like create this narrative that like we have to look a certain way to be within the social norm to be considered professional, sane, healthy, whatever, good-looking. And so yeah, the people who were scandalized were like the ones who were like, "No, we get to decide that." Yeah, they were like, "What what how is this popular?"
1: At that um that one show or that one runway where he was in the playground area of like this one part of France that was po- like impoverished. It was there was that Braffy guy. What's his name? He was Raff was- Simmons. He, I read a few interviews with him and he said that was the moment he decided to be a designer. And I was like thinking to myself, cause I've looked at his designs. I was like, yeah, I can tell that you haven't been a designer for that long. Anyways, it was just like, I don't know the fact that he just like decided to be a designer and then he kind of came out of the anti-fashion movement too. I don't know if I like him. Mm, yeah. I don't know much about him, but he didn't strike me as like, well, he was interviewed for this documentary pretty most of the time like I was like oh he's the only guy that's going to be interviewed for this like at the length that they need and he was speaking a lot and he talked about how he was really involved with the menswear during that time and developing menswear and how they need to be like not like buff or anything like that and how they need to be really pale and skin and he said honestly white he's like I'm probably gonna get in trouble for that huh do you remember him saying that yeah and I was like yeah you should get in trouble for that he was part of the reason why there was so many white fucking people in the turn of the century, basically.
0: Well and like part of what he's saying was like, oh it was a reaction to like how men the like image of men was like, yeah, huge, muscled, suntanned, but like, yeah, there's also what you're saying. Yeah.
1: But he just closed down his line. Oh, really? And if you know, like I was reading a lot about his stuff. I don't know why he just closed down his line, but he just closed down his, his – he's been working, I think, part-time with Prada as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, and he's been phoning in his personal line for quite a long – quite a while. People have been, like, disappointed in his looks that he's been coming up with because it doesn't feel like he's really cared. So after 25 years, he's finally – Closed it down, so I think that's interesting. He was one of the last like anti-fashion era people with still their own line Mm -hmm. at that time, at this time, in this day and age. Mm. Um, And now it's it's closed.
0: Yeah. So they talk about Kate Moss, they talk about Calvin Klein, and how fashion starts to embrace a sugar-coated version of anti-fashion, which was minimalism. The phrase "less is more" moved from architecture to the runway. And I thought that that was really interesting that like that was the evolution of anti-fashion was was minimalism. They were like, okay, fine. Like we don't have to be ostentatious, but we are going to like hem the seams. It'll just be really toned down. And like, so Helmut Lang happens. He's inspired by Bauhaus, German expressionism, architecture, which is like, yeah, minimalism. Unconventional use of fabric. There's like rubbers and plastics. Mm-hmm. So it's strict, but it's not boring. It's like monochrome but I guess because it's got like the plastics and the rubber it's got textures yeah it's visually compelling still even though there's no color Mm -hmm. which I
1: would argue but
0: yeah anytime I'm on I go on like Vogue runway to look at like whatever's come out and it's like if in the thumbnail it's not color I'm like I just can't
1: it's just yeah the same
0: I'm not interested
1: I mean it at least a pattern Mm -hmm. you know like it can still be brown but like Mix it up with, like, a plaid. I don't know. There's got to be some kind of dynamicness to it.
0: Um, He did a fashion show on the internet. He seems to, like, embrace the internet earlier. Jill Sanders is also part of this minimalism. She says she's not afraid to dress like a man. Or it's, like, people who wear Jill Sanders are not afraid to dress like a man as long as they're wearing nice fabric. It's called Lesbian Chic. But it's, like, no more 80s shoulder pads. It's, It's like, what you see
1: planners in now. Mm -hmm. Literally what it is. Like, when I think of, like older women that have some fashion sense like they obviously are put together but it's not like it's austere it's like very like muted i think of our professor nancy something that would wear jill sanders but i think she's fashionable in the sense that she's on she knows what's up but she didn't wear that much color it was very modest in the sense that she wasn't it wasn't like outlandish at all Mm -hmm. and only if you had a certain eye to notice what she like the layers she was wearing would you be like oh she knows what she's fucking doing mm-hmm. she could get away with people not noticing her though you know what i mean yeah edward enderful also talked about jill sanders he like worked for her for a while right or like something along the lines of that edward it's kind of crazy how very much involved he was in that world and like he also talks about kate moss in the calvin klein era and for those that don't know calvin klein just basically essentially made kate Moss's career mm-hmm. um and I don't think we I didn't know that because I don't think Calvin Klein is that interesting. But Calvin Klein was the hot shit in the early 90s because they were kind of the forefront of that minimalist look. Like you were talking about the khaki pants, the like, yeah, this very thin mm-hmm. bobbing, not curvaceous, mm-hmm. like um, minimal everything, minimal, minimal body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Kate Moss was their their front facing person.
0: Yeah, this is also, like, the time of of Daft Punk, of masks, of pseudonyms. So, yeah, there's, like, this thing of anonymity. Was Daft Punk – yeah, they mentioned Daft Punk, and I was like, oh, I thought they started in
1: the 2000s.
0: Yeah, they're older than that. Crazy. I know. They've had a a long career. Good for them. (laughs) Uh, I hope they can retire soon. Yeah. Yeah. Versace is killed that they mentioned that in the documentary. I'm kind of like, I don't know exactly how important that is, but they just show like everyone comes to their funeral. It's like a big deal. Mm, I think Versace's killed as being a moment of like Versace aesthetic is also
1: been killed. Like this guy who was over the top was murdered. Do you know that whole case? Uh. Uh-uh. I know. Why are we so sleepy? Um, he was murdered by like a fan. A fan? Whoa. You would be really, they have a few documentaries, but they also have, you know how they did like the, what's his name? What is that guy's name? Kim Kardashian's mom's dad was on his, Robert, Robert Kardashian was on the law, law team for this guy, O.J. O- Simpson. Simpson. <laughs> uh, you know how they did that O.J. Simpson, like American story or whatever, like the, like a documentary series, but it was like actors that were acting out. Oh, yeah. They did that one of Versace. Oh, wow. And you should, like, you would love it. I mean, maybe you wouldn't, but it's like pretty interesting. Like it was this guy that stalked him, and Versace came up with a lot of, of, of just so you know, like material, like like he invented fabrics, like oh, different kind of fabrics, and huh. Um, this guy kind of became obsessed and convinced that he could he could be the next Versace, and he
0: thought the best way to do that was, was murder him. Dang, is he in jail now?
1: I Think so, or maybe he, and I think he committed suicide right afterwards. Wow.
0: Juicy. It is very juicy. Both were gay. Andrew Philip Cunanan was an American spree killer. Hmm, It's just like I guess you go on a killing spree as they say. Yeah, but he was obsessed with Versace. I'm He murdered 5 people over 3 months. His victims include Italian fashion designer Gianni Versace and Chicago real estate developer Lee McLain. They just list two of them. They, they he killed 5 people, and they list just the two rich people. Oh my god, but wait. Do I have this whole story wrong? He died by suicide. You got that right. After Versace? Yep.
1: I, and then, but I'm pretty sure he was an obsessive fan. So why did he kill other people? Was he fans of them too? <laughs>
0: yeah, he's like, I either want to be a fashion designer, a real estate developer. <laughs> oh. And three normal people that don't deserve a <laughs> shout out at all. Yeah. Oh, his body was found on a luxury houseboat. I mean. Interesting.
1: No, like, he was obsessed with becoming famous, from what I know. I'm pretty sure I'm right, from but I don't, I haven't, like, I'm not positive, so. We're going to go with your story. Okay, and we're going to figure it out later, and then we're going to have to re my mine, but I, anyways, so back to that. So Versace was over the top, and I think that was just an
0: era that died with him, mm-hmm. um, R.I.P. And then there's concern about Y2K. There was a designer who I didn't catch their name, but they did the show where there was like the full frontal exploration of fundamentalism where it's like the five people and one of them's covered. One of them's like got a shorter dress and like the hem keeps going up until it's a naked person. Mm -hmm. Do you remember who that was? I know what you're talking about. I don't remember who that is. This it's like a very artsy show. A model comes out. She unwraps the fabric of a chair and then like puts it on. No, that's. That was a TikTok that I saw recently
1: too that was talking about that show being like Yeah transformative. Yeah.
0: I think I saw that and and I was like, damn it, I've seen this before. And but we don't know the name of the artist is what we're saying. That's what we're saying. <laughs> then she like steps a model like steps into a table and, and pulls, pulls the it table up. up into a skirt. And people were like, Wow, like
1: this is art. This isn't just fashion. And I'm kinda like, I don't know how like yes. Yes. But also, no, I don't know. Like, I'm really into the art aspect of it. But do you think he reproduced and sold these, these, these table dresses? Does he need to? I don't know. Does he need to? That's my. I'm. I'm. I'm confused. Like, because the fashion industry to me is an industry. Is he? Is this just art, or is he trying to? Because like, ultimately, Ooh. you have to sell something.
0: So we're talking wearable art versus. Fashion,
1: yeah. I mean, like, we can applaud that all day, and I, I would like to, and I am applauding it. It's great, it's cool, it's interesting. Um, it, it it it's very two thousands. I will say, like, like ooh, we're in the future now. Like, uh, tables are addresses table are ad- and they have like white walls everywhere, and like people like like screen projected like very like opaquely um, over it, like people singing and like talking. It was weird, but like. Anna Wintour doesn't go to those these runaways for the art piece aspect even though she will claim that she is she's there to see if she can sell it Mm -hmm. in her magazine so that's what I'm getting to it's just like I don't and maybe that's what he's revolting against it's like I'm not trying to sell these clothes and that's the
0: point of it but that's I'm just I want clarity on like who was it for Mm -hmm. yeah yeah great question Yoji Yamamoto, on the other hand, is like going more tradish. That was the Parisian and Japanese blending that I I loved. It wasn't
1: traditional, traditional, but it wasn't like it was modest. It was like less anti fashion. Yeah. But it's like at least he didn't go like minimalist. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't, he was pretty much all black, but it still yeah. had a little bit of a flair of there's some more embroidery, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so like the big lines are hiring all the big people. Helmet Lang and Jill Sanders are bought out by the Prada Group, and then okay, Helmet Lang quits being a fashion designer and like wants to be an artist. So he like starts by beheading all these like birdie sculptures in his store. You see that in the documentary? No. There's all these like stone sculptures of like crows or something, and he like beheads them, and then he takes, oh I do remember that. He like takes a bunch of his clothes and like shreds them and makes art with them. He like he goes out big. He like has a big goodbye to fashion.
1: What the fuck? I don't know. I feel like that's really wasteful, but whatever.
0: Yeah, just because you're not into fashion anymore doesn't mean you have to like turn them all into like little sculpture trees, but I don't know.
1: It's interesting. I mean I rather hang out with people that are doing stuff like that than not.
0: Uh, but I am continually hanging out with people that are
1: doing that stuff. So what am I? Someday. One of these days.
0: Yeah, then Jill Sanders leaves her brand Raph Simmons takes over the artistic direction. Raph Simmons is, like, the first anti-fashion designer to work under another group, I guess. But then he's poached to Dior in, in 2012. Yeah. yeah, he was the first one. He's
1: a pretty much a sellout. I don't know. I The vibes with him, y'all, I'm just saying, like, You were just not picking good. up some vibes, you know? But, yeah, Dior was at a slump, and they were desperate, and they needed him to – and he quit after just a year of working there because I did some research on this because mm. he was just like, I can't keep up. I, don't, I can't keep with the production that they want me to do, and it was too stressful for me, is basically what he said, which I mean like saying, dude, I would never be able to do this. And I think it would be way too much pressure to do a big lo- name brand like Dior especially because Dior is apparently, we learned this as we did our research, is the epitome of fashion. Back then, still was. So the fact that he got that as the creative director was huge, huge. He wasn't selling enough as soon as they wanted him to, so they got rid of him. But yeah, Dior is a big deal, and the fact that he got it as an anti-fashion designer. Because, like, technically, they are all revolting against Dior, because Dior is the one that brought about the aesthetic of, like, a figure of a body.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Of a woman's body, especially, and contouring, like providing hips and tits and, you know, did all that stuff and was really big on like cocktail dresses. So it's just interesting that an anti-fashion designer would become a Dior creative director at some point. Right?
0: Yeah. I mean, the elite will always, that's like recuperation, right? They absorb elements of anti-mainstream. They absorb it into the mainstream and it diffuses its value, dampens its value.
1: Exactly. And I think that's what dialectic means. No one really knows. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but it's like the antithesis becomes the synthesis. Mm-hmm. There's the thesis, and then there's obviously the antithesis, and then the synthesis is the combination. It's like the synthesis of both. Yeah. Wow. So I think that's what it happens. Like, that's what always happens, right? Uh-huh. Especially in fashion, but, like, in general, like, in politics. And there's always, like... I could compare this movement or this fashion, anti-fashion movement being like a, uh, bought up by Prada to gay marriage being like people were like revolting against the the system. And then eventually the system was like, hey, we can accept you into our system, but you have to follow our system rules mm-hmm. versus like altering the system. So it was kind of an absorbing
0: Right of of rights essentially, um, versus Yet, changing the not to bring sports into it, but I can't remember what team it was. But they, you know, the World Cup has been in Qatar. FIFA, the FIFA World Cup <laughs> <laughs> has been in FIFA. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been
0: in Qatar. And one of the teams, I think Germany, wanted to wear like rainbow. They wanted to wear like pride stuff, Interesting. and they, they wouldn't let them because it's Qatar, and they're like very. Anti-LGBTQ. Yeah, and like various other things, I suppose. It's just crazy to me that like, you know, like the symbolism of the rainbow. It's like, it's still so, yeah, controversial somehow. Still. Yeah. But I'm like, but corporations love the rainbow. Anyways. Right, right. Yeah. One part I liked was that Anne de she's talking about like growing up and, you know, they're like, they're standing up for something. They're like, they're really against stuff, whatever, and, you know, they're thinking about the future and what they want the future to look like. And then she's like, yeah, I was, like, really disappointed by, like, 2010 and, like, what that looked like, like, what the future world looked like. I'm like, yeah, dude, me too, girl. 2010 was, like, not the best. (laughs) It was just, like, I mean, not that exciting. It really wasn't. I mean, I guess we had Barack Obama as president, so that was, like... That was cool. There was an exciting element to that. Yeah. But I was just, like... In college, shopping at Forever 21. Yeah, I wasn't very involved. I mean, the style was not very... Was it the worst ever? Like, are we going to start... Yeah. It was the worst ever, right? I mean, the owl necklaces. Do you remember the owl yeah. necklaces? Yeah. the prints were like... I think it because it was peak fast fashion. I do too.
1: We were all like figuring it out. We could... Like, do you remember those big... I don't think I wore them because I was like, no. I was more like indie, but like the big chunky... um like Kim Kardashian-esque. Oh, the
0: belts? Like the bohemian belts? Yeah, I had one of those. Wow. Yeah. Did you wear it with everything? Okay. No. I don't remember. that. I almost feel like I was wearing that like earlier than 2010. No, to bring. <laughs> well, yeah. I th- I feel like the Kardashian
1: era, like, well, she wasn't like super famous at that time. But like right when she got on the scene, like the Kardashians got on the scene, that was the aesthetic that was popular. But also like her, I don't know, I look back and it's like, no wonder Kanye was trying to change like the boots, the Ugg boots. I mean, Ugg boots are coming back, whatever. But like it was it was the worst aesthetic. The hair was straight. The eye makeup was cat liner or nothing or smudgy, like
0: smoky eye. I love a cat eye, but uh, I think the smoky eye is what it really is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm having trouble moving into like new hair things. It's just like, I understand the ladies that would be on like what not to wear and they're still doing their hair the same as the 80s because it's like, dude, it's hard to learn new ways of doing your exactly. hair. Exactly. Keeping up sounds hard. Yeah. Um, and also
1: just like, I think you do great with whatever you do. You do braids sometimes. The you
0: braids, the my summer hair was great. I think it was just because I, I only have a small barrel curling iron right now because I only get my curling irons at thrift stores. And <laughs> yes, she does. I, for a while I was using it and it was just like, it was too fair Fawcett. Now I'm doing, now I'm blowing it out because I'm more into like it being more straight and it's like, it looks great. It my too f- Farrah Fawcett. I don't remember this. A couple of my TikToks I looked at and I was like, I just didn't think it looked great. Oh, interesting. I don't have Instagram really to document my outfits anymore because I'm just too lazy and I'm not getting dressed most days. But TikTok is like documenting my hairstyles, I think. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I at least have the face, the face documented. Yeah. I watched a bunch of of, uh, Farrah Fawcett uh,
1: TikTok videos of like how to get that hair. And what they did was they like used their hands to – Whip it out and then they went back and forth like eight times whipping their hair. Wet or dry? Dry and it came out different somehow. Oh. Like better. Wow. So I don't know. Try whipping your hair back and forth eight times I think
0: is is the is the trick stuff yeah I think that that's like mainly the rest of the documentary like Margella leaves his fashion house in 2009 there's Rick Owens he's like the last of the anti-fashion icons people are obsessed is Rick is Rick Owens or Margella the one that had the, the tag was just the white tag with nothing on it
1: I don't know I think it was Rick Owens because I don't I I know a lot about Marjolana Marjolene whatever his name is I I can't say his name but I know enough I've done some research on him and I don't remember the white label ever coming up oh he also did the tabby boots um, which now is funny because he like found a a, an Italian boot person that was like yeah I think I can do this it would be fun because the tabby is from Japan like it's essentially japanese like people still wear them today um but he put a basically a hill on it that's all he wanted so and they they go for i've told you this we've already we have a whole episode about it but they go for like minimum minimum six hundred dollars
0: there's an estate sale that has tabby socks i wonder if they'll have tabby boots Mm, i bet there's just japanese and they just have tabby socks yeah that's and they probably wear flip-flops Yep, yep, yep. You're probably right. Um, Which and they seem like Brian's go has been going on about toe socks lately for running because it's like it's like important to separate your toes out mm-hmm. for reasons. I'm oh, like, God. It, does he got the toe shoes yet? He's got like zero drop shoes. That I have don't know a what go that means. a wide toe box. <laughs> 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 yeah, but to his credit, his body's like broken, so yeah, he yeah. like has to he has to think about it. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm big about arch support and stuff too, but the toe sock for some reason I will not because my I think it's because my ex would go on and on about it because he was a runner too Hmm. and he had the which one which Dallas oh yeah and he would go on about how yeah he had his toe shoes and I would just be like whatever dude and then I just felt like other guys would tell me about it and I'd just be like
0: okay i get it well yeah because of course yeah when men have some item of fashion that they're excited about it's like important then they get to talk about it they yeah he like would talk about it a lot yeah and he would read
1: a lot so there there you go so and i don't i i've seen arguments that it actually isn't good but i don't know what to believe any i don't don't care but i'm like whatever do you, right? But yeah, he created the tabby boot and uh, during the runways, just one little thing, he would repaint the old set from the, the last runway to save money. Right. Because it was anti-fashion. Everybody was fucking poor and that was the yeah. whole point. Yeah. And I just think it's funny now that $600 to just own a pair. It's just ridiculous. Even on eBay. I mean, I'm looking my heart. I think I think it would be a steal if you got it at 300 honestly. Yeah. That's the dream. I really want a, a pair. But I, I won't buy it for 600. I don't think I could do that. Someday that might be a reasonable amount. Someday. Maybe when I make 100,000, I'll buy it myself. Yeah. Anyways, we're, we're getting toward the end. <laughs> anyway, um, I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye, you guys.